The Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, The Wizard of Oz, The Princess Bride, The Odyssey, any good story like this is a quest story. A story where the author, or the, the, the protagonist, uh, the main character is on a quest, a journey towards a specific goal. A quest story is where the main character is in search for a particular place or item or person that requires the protagonist, the main character, to go out on this journey. And a key to understanding these types of quest stories is to ask the question, what is the object of the main character's desire? What is it they're ultimately longing for, ultimately wanting? What does the protagonist want in this story? This morning we come to a story, a couple of stories in the Gospel of Luke that in many ways are answering that question of Jesus. What did Jesus, when he came to earth, what was he looking for? What was he seeking to find? What does Jesus, the ultimate protagonist of the ultimate story, want? And to look at that question and to answer that question, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 18. Now, today is Palm Sunday, a Sunday that begins the Easter season, and we're not, as you might expect, going to look at the story in Luke of the triumphal entry, and I'll be really honest with you as to why. I've preached the triumphal entry for like eight years in a row, and uh, I, I thought this year, I thought, what's something else that I could do? So what we're actually going to look at is what happens immediately before the triumphal entry. What takes place in the life and the ministry of Jesus immediately before that triumphal entry, that Palm Sunday? And during this time, what we see here in Luke chapter 18 and 19 is that Jesus is on a journey. He's on a quest. But what is it that Jesus is looking for while on this quest? I want you to notice the question as we begin here in Luke Chapter 18, verse 8, at the end of the verse, Jesus himself asks the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the journey, the quest question that Luke, the gospel writer here, is asking and answering in these two chapters. When the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? And Luke, in chapter 18 and 19, answers that question with the resounding yes, but in two very surprising places. You can see there on your outline, we're going to look at two very familiar stories this morning, and then we're going to wrap it up under number three on your outline. But the two main stories we're going to see to answer that question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We see first the story of the blind beggar at the end of Luke chapter 18. And then second, we're going to take a look at Jesus' encounter with the wee tax man in Luke chapter 19. So again, grab your Bibles with me. Follow along with me in your mind as we pick it up in Luke chapter 18, starting in verses 35 and 36. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith 
on the earth. Notice Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. Let's pause right here for just a second. I want you to put yourself for a moment in the shoes of the blind man here. When he woke up on this particular morning, for him, it was just any ordinary day. Just a normal day in the life of the blind man. And we see here in verse 35 that he was sitting by the road begging. This would have been something he did every single day because physically handicapped blind people had little opportunity for making a living in this culture. But thankfully... Giving money to the poor was a very common and recognized part of Jewish worship. And so on this particular day, the blind man was sitting there, probably where he always was, on the road, and he's begging, doing what he is always doing. Notice also, by the way, that this is happening while Jesus is approaching Jericho. Now, Jericho is a very significant location in these two stories and in Jesus' journey up to Jerusalem because Jericho was the last stop you would make before beginning a 3,000-foot ascent up to the city of Jerusalem. So many people, as they traveled to Jerusalem from Galilee, they would spend the night before in Jericho. And so this particular blind man, he was probably used to thousands of people passing him by every single day this time of year. This was just another ordinary day for the blind man. But it's about to become an extraordinary day because of the one who was passing his way. Notice again verse 35 says, as Jesus was approaching Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the road begging and hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So here again, Jesus is passing by. He's passing through Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the triumphal entry, on his way to lay down his life. And here the blind man hears this commotion and he asks, you know, what's going on? The crowd, Luke tells us, tells the blind man that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and notice again verse 38, the response of the blind man. Hearing that Jesus of Nazareth is passing his way, the blind man calls out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the text certainly seems to imply that this blind man had heard of Jesus before. Because notice he calls out to Jesus and identifies Jesus as the son of David. This, by the way, is the first time, and this man is the only man in the Gospel of Luke who calls Jesus the son of David, this messianic title, the one 
descendant of David that will fulfill the hopes of all of Israel. This blind man, if you will, sees who Jesus truly is, the son of David. And he says, have mercy on me. We see him call Jesus the son of David in verse 38. We see him call Jesus the son of David also in verse 39. Notice those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, this is the only person in the gospel of Luke who identifies Jesus as the son of David, and here he does it twice. This man has tremendous faith to see who Jesus really is. I also want you to see, though, in this verse, how the people responded to this man. Luke tells us there in verse 39, those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. We're going to come back to this idea in the second story, but I want you to take note of those who led the way, the people, the crowd, as they're really condemning the man, telling him to be quiet. But their insistence for him to keep quiet only causes him all the more to shout out, Son of David, have mercy on me. So all of this really sets up to now when Jesus enters into the story there in verse 40. Luke tells us in verse 40, And Jesus stopped and commanded that he, the blind man, be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus questioned him. What do you want me to do for you? And he, the blind man, said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. You've got to love Jesus' response here. And Luke paints it so dramatically. Jesus stops. He commands that the man be brought near to him. And we don't know this, but perhaps the man's use of that phrase, son of David, made it clear that he was not just asking for money. But no matter what happened, uh, Jesus stops. He commands that this blind man is brought near to him, and he asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? And the man, in faith, says, Lord, I want to regain my sight. In stating this desire, he clearly has faith that Jesus, the son of David, has the ability to heal him. And so Jesus replies, receive your sight Your faith has made you well, or your faith has saved you. It's a beautiful story. And notice the response in verse 43. Immediately he, the blind man, regained his sight and began following him, Jesus glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they too gave praise to God. It's just a beautiful story here of Jesus healing the blind man. And as a result of this healing, uh, the man receives a sight. And notice the text says in verse 43, a, a great response of the man. He begins following Jesus. He begins glorifying God. 
And all the people there, after they see this miracle, give praise to God as well. By the way, I want you to see something in this story and in the next story. That Luke, in telling this story, these actual events that happened, that took place, he's really using a lot of imagery and symbolism in this story as well because this man's physical blindness parallels also his spiritual condition. But Jesus, in restoring his sight, also saves him. As Jesus says here, your faith has saved you. There's this blindness and sight concept that's going on throughout this passage. But here we see Jesus saves the blind man. It's a great story. It's a great story. And there's also a children's song. You may not be familiar with this children's song about the man the Gospel of Mark tells us is Bartimaeus. But there's a children's song that goes, he couldn't see the sun, he couldn't see the trees, blind old Bartimaeus, he couldn't see. But Bartimaeus heard Jesus walking by, Jesus, he could help me. And so he cried, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, please be kind. Jesus, son of David, heal me. I am blind. Now, you may, not know, you may not know that children's song, but I almost guarantee that you know the children's song about the next individual here in the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, he encounters a wee tax man, and Brian Piper is going to help us here. Sing along with us, if you would. Yes, sing along. One of the most profound pieces of music literature in the history of music. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Verse 2. Zacchaeus knew that he'd done wrong and sorry for his sins was he. Lord, to the poor I'll give one half of all my good, said he. And if I've cheated anyone four times, will I repay? And Jesus said, salvation has come to you. I have come to seek and save. I have come to seek and save. And so let's take a look at the biblical account of Jesus' encounter with the wee tax man. Thank you, Brian Piper. This is in Luke chapter 19. Again, this is happening uh, immediately before Jesus' journey up to Jerusalem, the triumphal entry leading up to Holy Week. Let's take a look. Luke chapter 19, first verses 1 and 2. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So notice again, Luke 
tells us a little bit of the context and the setting and where we are in this particular story. Once again, we see that this centers around that place called Jericho. Jesus is now entering in and passing through the city of Jericho. That last significant stop one would make before climbing those 3,000 feet up to the city of Jerusalem. Another thing you need to know about Jericho that's very significant when it comes to Zacchaeus is that in Jesus' day, the city of Jericho had been rebuilt and expanded by Herod the Great. And the city of Jericho, New Testament Jericho, it was complete with swimming pools and gardens and bathhouses, a hippodrome, a theater. It was a massively impressive city. And because of that, the city of Jericho was also a favored place for many of the influential and affluent people of Jerusalem. Especially during the winter months, it was common for the wealthy to have a winter home in Jericho to escape as they descended those 3,000 feet to find a little warmer weather and escape those winter evenings in Jerusalem. And as you can imagine, any time you have wealth and affluence, you're going to have the Roman government there ready to tax. And so we see here in Luke chapter 19 that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. You probably know that tax collectors were loathed people. The Jews especially saw them as traitors because they're conspiring with the enemy, with the Romans, and here Zacchaeus was getting rich off of it. But like the blind man in the first story, Here also Zacchaeus, the wee little man, has a seeing problem. He can't see Jesus. Notice verse 3. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. So Luke tells us some very important details here about Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. He's rich, but also he has a seeing problem. It's a different seeing problem than the blind man. Here Zacchaeus' seeing problem is he's so short he can't see over the crowds. But he wants to see Jesus. And so what does he do? He runs ahead of the crowd, verse 4, And he climbs up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, you need to understand in this cultural context, for any adult, but especially a wealthy, affluent, influential man like Zacchaeus, for them to run was kind of a social faux pas. To climb a tree was as well. These are two things you wouldn't expect notable people in a society to do, to run and to climb trees. But nevertheless, Zacchaeus lays all of that aside, the shame associated with that, and he runs ahead, he climbs the sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. And then notice what happens in verse 5. With Zacchaeus there in the tree, Luke tells us in verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay 
at your house. Remember, Jesus is on a journey. He's on a quest. He's headed to Jerusalem, and this is the final stop here in Jericho, and he probably spent the night there at Zacchaeus' house. So Jesus looks up. Luke tells us he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He says, come down from here, for today I must stay at your house. And verse 6 tells us Zacchaeus' response. He hurried and came down and received Jesus gladly. He received Jesus gladly, or literally, he received Jesus rejoicing. Luke uses this word rejoicing throughout his gospel to describe the response of people who have experienced salvation. And so Luke certainly implies that at this moment, Zacchaeus truly believes and understands. He sees who Jesus really is. And kind of the ironic thing about this story is that the sinful little man was looking for Jesus. But all the while, actually, Jesus was seeking after him. It's a beautiful story, but once again, here in verse 7, we see that not everybody is pleased. Verse 7 tells us when they saw it, they all began to grumble saying he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Remember when the blind man cried out to Jesus, those who led the way, verse 39 of chapter 18, those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. And here in chapter 19, verse 7, we read, when they saw it, they all began to grumble. Why? Because Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Once again, we see the crowd is not pleased. They can't believe that Jesus would dare associate with sinners. But notice Zacchaeus' response. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Here we see the response of Zacchaeus to Jesus' saving him. Now Luke doesn't use the word repentance, but that's certainly what we see described here. We see Zacchaeus, this wealthy man. He's a wealthy man uh, because he's really exploited his own people. But here we see him try to make right that wrong. And he says, I'll give away half of my possessions And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, if I've robbed anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Here, the response of Zacchaeus shows a changed life, a changed heart, and genuine repentance. By the way, there's another kind of interesting parallel that's going on here in Luke chapter 18 and Luke chapter 19. I wish I had had time to go over with you there in chapter 18 Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. The man who comes to Jesus and says, hey, what must I do uh, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him uh, to sell everything he has and give to the poor. And then he goes away sad because he was a man of much wealth. But interestingly here, Luke is showing how Zacchaeus 
really does what Jesus had asked of the rich young ruler. It's again, three really beautiful stories being woven together by Luke, stories that actually truly took place. But most importantly, in all of this, what I want you to see is verses 9 and 10. The words of Jesus about what has just happened. Luke chapter 19, verse 9 says, And Jesus said to him, to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Two very profound statements Jesus makes here. First, salvation has come to this house. Not because Zacchaeus was willing to give away his money to make right his wrongs, but because of Zacchaeus' faith in who Jesus is. The second thing I want you to notice there, Jesus says, he too is a son of Abraham. This is important because to many Jews in this society and culture, uh, they would have argued that Zacchaeus, by being a traitor, by siding with the Romans, had forfeited his right to be called a son of Abraham among the chosen people of God. But here Jesus declares, no, he indeed is a son of Abraham. But the key verse I want you to see is verse 10. After all of this, what Jesus says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, all of this is happening perhaps the night before or two nights before the triumphal entry, kicking off Holy Week, leading up ultimately to Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus here, even in these final days, seeks and saves that which was lost. Jesus seeks, Jesus sees, and Jesus saves. So now I want us to kind of put these stories together as we take a look at number three on your outline. Notice again the, the beautiful story that Luke is putting together here as he recalls the factual true events of what Jesus did the days before Holy Week. Here we see these two beautiful stories laid side by side. We see the blind beggar and the wee tax man both having a seeing problem. I would encourage you at some point to go back through these stories and circle all of the words associated with blindness or sight. Ten words, according to my count. Ten words in these two stories associated with blindness and sight. The blind man cannot see Jesus. The wee man cannot see Jesus. The blind man cannot see Jesus because of his physical condition, but he persistently asks Jesus for mercy to the displeasure of those who led the way. But in the end, the blind man receives his sight and salvation. The wee man, the wee tax man cannot see Jesus, so he climbs up into a tree so he can see. He sees Jesus. Jesus looks up to him. Jesus fellowships with him. Once again, to the displeasure of the crowd. But in the end, the wee man receives his salvation. 
There's two incredible stories here of the blind man and the wee tax man, but the protagonist of this story is Jesus. He's the one who's on a quest. Luke begins this really idea by asking that question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And these two stories answer that question with the resounding yes. But the interesting twist is that Jesus finds faith not among the religious leaders, but truly among the outcasts. This is another common theme, especially in the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus came for the outcasts of society, for the despised and for the lower rungs of the social ladder. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? As we take a step back and really think about how this passage applies to us, in the end, what should surprise us the most is that in these two final interactions Jesus has on the way to Jerusalem, you see most clearly on display the incredible love of Jesus. Again, these are the outcasts of Jewish and Roman society. But Jesus demonstrates his overflowing compassion for the blind man. And Jesus even receives to himself Zacchaeus, the wee taxman, the scandalous sinner. And both of these ultimately are radical demonstrations of Jesus' love as he came to seek, to see, to save the lost. This is good news, by the way, not only for the people in the story, but it's good news for you and, as, and I as well. As we come to the realization that when God's Son came in human flesh, He didn't reserve or withhold His love and give it only to those who think they deserved it. But instead, Jesus lavishes His love on beyond the pale sinners like you and like me. This is a story that no one would have expected, that when God came to earth, he would lavish his kindness on the very worst of people. But the good news of the gospel is that he did. That's the only reason any of us have hope. So here this morning, in person and online, I want to ask you the question, if what you're seeking for, what you're searching for, as you're on a journey and a quest through this life, If what you're looking for is mercy and salvation, the good news we see here is that you receive it as a free gift. It's nothing you do, it's nothing you can earn, but it's simply yours as a matter of grace and mercy. It's given to you by faith, by grace through faith. And if you've never put your faith, your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, there's no better time than to believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for you. He paid the penalty for your sins and that by trusting in him, you can know that you're forgiven and you're redeemed. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, this mission, this quest is one that has now been given over to us. This mission to seek and to share 
the message of salvation with the lost. We've been commissioned to share this message of salvation with all people, making disciples of all nations, and no one is outside the scope of that particular mission. Uh, just last night, I was at the 30th anniversary celebration of East-West Ministries. And if you've been around Grace for a while, you're, you've heard of East-West. It's a remarkable ministry, and it was a time of celebration of all that God has done through East-West over the last 30 years, trusting also in what God will continue to do for the next 30 years and more through East-West. Uh, this is a ministry. It's a great ministry. I encourage you to check it out. A ministry that specifically focuses in on the unreached, uh, the people that most of the world has rejected, uh, but people who Jesus, even today, is seeking, seeing, seeing, and saving. Um, so for your one thing this week, here's what I'd ask you to do. As we think about Luke chapter 18 and Luke chapter 19, uh, the question I have for you, your one thing for this week is really this. How does Jesus' statement that he came to seek and to save the lost serve as an encouragement to you to be involved in evangelism and discipleship? And my ask of you is that you would pray that God would give you an opportunity this Easter season to share the gospel, to share the good news of the one who has come to seek and to save the lost. And by the way, I know this can be a little scary, it can be a little intimidating. Um, um, on April the 29th, you can find in your bulletin, our engaged pastor, T.S. Weaver, is going to be leading us through a gospel conversations training. Uh, this training is going to help us equip, equip us to share the gospel and how to get into spiritual conversations with people you know, with people you're searching for, because I'm confident that probably all of us in this room, you have friends, you have family members, you have coworkers, uh, you have neighbors who don't know who Jesus is. Uh, but this time of year especially, with Easter and because we still live in the Bible Belt and all of that, um, people are more prone to having these sort of conversations. And so, anyway, if you're interested in the event, uh, there's uh, lunch provided. It's free. You can register online or you can sign up at the kiosk in the commons. But as we um, kind of wrap up this morning... Again, I want to take it back to Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This is not just a Bible story. But what I want you to see here as well that, is that when Jesus came, he came to seek and to save you. That he laid down his life for you. That he died for you. And so I'm going to ask the question that really began this whole section in Luke. And that is, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you that the whole year, but especially this time of year, we get to really see clearly and think through Jesus' mission, his quest, his journey to seek and to save that which is lost. Thank you, Father, that even in the days leading up to his crucifixion, here in these two stories, he was continuing to seek and to save the lost, that he sought out the blind man, that he sought out the wee man, that he sought out each and every one of us. And God, I pray that as we enter into Holy Week, 
as we reflect on the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the love of Jesus. God, I ask that this story would uh, just be renewed in our own hearts and in our own minds, that we would be drawn deeper and deeper into the love of Jesus, that we would know that he came to seek and to save us. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this time now we have to focus our hearts and our minds around the communion table as we think about the body and the blood of our Lord, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. God, thank you for our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.